0: Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith for this week's message. If you would get your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel According to John. Go to verse ni- Go to chapter 19, and I'm telling you, we're going to settle here for just a minute, but uh, have you ever thought about how much emotion goes into the decisions and choices we make? How much emotion goes into the decisions and choices we make? Um, how many of you in here have emotions? <laughs> we all, of course, have emotions, and you've heard me say before, they're God-given emotions. Um, now, God-given emotions can they run, run awry? <laughs> can they get out of control? Can they? Yeah, they absolutely can. Um, and and it doesn't take it doesn't take somebody to have mastered their emotions to uh, to you can't control your emotions. I'm going to stand up and tell you this right now. You hear me? You cannot control your emotions. You can't. But here's another question: How many emotions do dead people have? None, right? I mean, I would assume that dead people don't have emotions, right? And uh, are you called to be a sacrifice? Although you are a living sacrifice, are you supposed to be dead to yourself? Alive to Christ? So what happens to emotion? If that's perfectly applied, what happens to emotion? It's controlled. It's controlled because when a believer grows in Christ... We no longer hope in our abilities or in any other human being's abilities. You've heard me stand up here before and tell you that if I have not disappointed you, I will. It's a fact. You stick around long enough, I promise you, if I can promise you anything, you stick around long enough, I will disappoint you. It's a fact. Question is, how are you gonna to respond to that? Because how do disappoint how do disappointed people respond? Let's look at Peter. Peter goes to after Jesus Christ's arrest, Peter denies Jesus three times. What emotion? What emotion was there that made him fear? Fear was the emotion that made Peter do what it was that Peter did. Did God forgive him? Yes. He wanted him to learn his lesson, but he forgave him. Do you think when God forgives somebody of uh, of a, a, an emotional state that he holds that against them? Of course he doesn't. He doesn't hold it against them. My question is this, and let's, let's look at chapter 19. Look at verse 1. got to get some, some scripture verses in here. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers uh, the soldiers wove a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and arrayed him with, purple, with a purple robe. They began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and give him blows in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus therefore came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Now Pilate's idea was this. Let me go beyond the punishment that he would necessarily get. It'll make people shocked when they see him, and they'll they'll expect me to stop this. So Jesus is being beaten by people and he presents them to the people and he says, look, look what we've done to this guy. He's not in there begging for mercy or forgiveness or this guy is not guilty. Trust me, he's not guilty of anything. He'd be begging us. But Jesus, what was his response? Nothing. Only when he asked Jesus, if he really was who he said he was, did Jesus respond to him? With affirmation. My kingdom. With affirmation. This is the same Jesus who looked at the Roman soldiers who nailed him to that cross. And said, Father, forgive them, for they have no idea what they're doing. Would it matter to you? Would it matter to you if you just went through the beating of eternity? I don't say a lifetime. A beating of eternity. If he had the ability to pin that on any one person, you think he'd hold it against them? Nope. Did I deserve to spend an eternity in hell? Yes. Do you know who was in that crowd of people that was punching Jesus in the face? I was in it. The crowd who mashed them crown of thorns on top of his head and according to another gospel used a reed to drive the thorns into his scalp. Do you know who held the reed? I did. This is theologically sound, guys. Because the truth is, the answer is the same. Roman soldiers nailed Jesus to the tree? I did. They took a cat of nine tails, what they called it back then, a handle with nine pieces of leather that hung off of it. They found everything that they could to tie to the end of it. Glass, pottery, stone, wood. And when they would strike Jesus across the back, would bury in his flesh. And they would rip it. Who was holding the whip? Universally. Don't you say you did? You say, I am. Who's holding the whip? I am. You ever been betrayed? I'm sure if you're very old at all in this building, you've been betrayed before. Can you tell me who the bigger betrayer on the planet is? Any human being who has ever done you wrong? Or the way we live our life, face-to-face with Jesus Christ? And he's been obvious with us. What's the penalty for someone who refuses to forgive someone who asks for forgiveness? What's the penalty? They don't get to go to heaven. Why? Because I can honestly just see Jesus up there with his hands up going, really? I didn't hold none of the garbage that you pulled against me. Really? Really? I'm not using this stuff to hold over your head to make you feel punished for the rest of your life. I give you grace, and I give it without question to the fullest of its measure. And you get an opportunity to serve the people in this world. And what do you give them? It it hurts. For me, it hurts to be betrayed. But it comes right home when I realize that I'm the betrayer. So as you go through this entire story, feel free to look it up. Tons of emotions in this story. Jesus had every right to show him, but he didn't after every person on the planet's responsibility had beaten him to a grease spot next to death, had put him in the place where he'd asphyxiate, the rest of his life would would come out of his body with a struggle of every next breath. And he had the mercy and the grace and the power to say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing! could you dig it up? could you do it? could you do it for a person that made you a rapist? could you do it for a person that made you a pedophile? could you do it for a person that made you a murderer? could you do it for a person that made you a homosexual? Could you do it for the person who made you every sin on this planet? Because I'm here to tell you folks, even though Jesus didn't physically commit those sins, he took the sins of the homosexual on his back. He took the sins of the pedophile on his back. He took the sins of the liar on his back. He took the sins of the world on his back. And as it drained life out of his body, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. All Jesus wanted to deliver to us is forgiveness. He asked for nothing material in return, just your heart. That's all He wants. People think, oh, God wants my money, God wants my time, God wants my talents, God wants everything. If God gets 10% of your heart, he ain't got much. But if he gets 100% of your heart, he'll get more than 10% of everything that you own. It's a fact. Peter was afraid. Pilate was afraid. The king in Jerusalem at the time was afraid the religious leaders were afraid jesus at one point was even afraid remember that spot in the garden of gethsemane where it says that god charged two angels to come and care for him where he sweated blood drops of of, of tears the difference between jesus and us though when we get put in a high pressure situation do we flight or fight we're flighters more than we are fighters. It's easier to run away from. Never mind what's better. Let's do what's easier. Because Jesus, Father, if there be any way, if there be any way, let this cup pass by me. If there's any other way, Father, please don't make me drink of this cup. Please don't make me go through the beating I'm going to go through. Don't make me go through the separation from you that I'm going to go through. Don't make me go through this if I don't have to. But nonetheless, not my will be done. Your will be done. The death, burial, and resurrection is supposed to provide faith that gives us hope, a hope that's anchor for the soul something that holds us steady, even in the strongest of storms, and all of us will find those storms. And I'll encourage you, go through this entire story, and anytime you see an emotion, circle it, this entire, I'm telling you, I could have preached for three hours this morning. Still going to get it, but I don't know if you'll get it all in three hours or not, not today. But draw this line for me. If Jesus was willing to forgive us, everybody, for what they had committed against him. Just how much do you suppose he expects us to be forgiving of others? Sounds pretty serious. Somebody asked for forgiveness. You don't get it. What's the cost? Says they, they can't go to heaven. You can't go to heaven. If somebody says they're sorry to you, you don't accept it. And I get it. Jesus is going, I just poured forgiveness out on you. I've covered every sin that you've ever, not only every sin you've ever committed, but every sin you will commit. I've covered them. They're done. And now you're going to hold something against somebody? Here's our point, folks. We have to get this stuff out of our life. This stuff is not beneficial when it comes to reaching people for Christ. This stuff is quite the opposite because many times we don't think about what it is that we're telling the people around us when we don't act towards people the way Christ intends us to act towards people. They notice. Our kids notice how me and Diana interact. Our grandkids notice how me and Diana interact. There are people around here who notice how we interact with one another. And it matters. It's just like the sermon last year. How will people know that we have love for one another? Huh? Because we belong to Him. That's how they're going to know. He told us to love Him. If we love Him and we love one another, they by this you will know. They will know that you are my disciples. And like the sermon last week, when does love, when does love quit? When? Never. When does it fail? Never. Only when it's in the hands of someone who, who uh, never intends to use it the way it's supposed to be used. So I want to close with this. Jesus had every right in the world to hold a grudge against every one of us that are sitting in this place. And he didn't. We have to be individuals who are living in this life understanding that Christ has called us to something. And there really are only two powers in this world. There's good and there's evil. Every choice that we make in life leans towards one or the other. It's just a fact. If we make our decisions and our choices based on our emotional state, how many of you have ever done that and not regretted it? We aren't people who are controlled by an emotional state. We're people that even when we find ourselves in the thickest of soups, we have the ability to wade through it and see what it is that God said to us and separate it out. Because in the same way that people who think way too much garbage who are not a part of a church, there are people who come into a church who think way too much garbage about the church, and I'm not about to blame them. Because I see the state of the church in this country today. We don't react emotionally. We react in love and in kindness. We look at the goal that God has set before us that is the ultimate goal, not the one just gets us through the end of the day. And however God chooses to get people there should be okay with us. Whether he he leads people to himself through cancer, he leads himself... Uh, through something through adultery he leads himself through through, he, he shows himself to people through circumstances like a parent dying or a grandparent dying or a child dying everybody's always going through something and honestly why do people call preachers? can I be honest with you? do you know why? they taught this in seminary class do you know why people want preachers there? because they're hoping they've got a source for level-headed emotion. Someone who, even in the midst of that, the pain, the suffering, has the ability to be able to see through it in the hope that Christ has provided to bring a little light to the circumstance. Sometimes it means saying nothing at all. Just being there and knowing that you're hurting with them. We can do so much. But we have to be people who have the goal of doing what Jesus Christ did. No matter how you treat me, no matter what you do to me, no matter how long it stings, no matter how long it bruises, whether it leaves a scar or not, I'll forgive you because I believe wholeheartedly that you know not what you do. Because I choose to believe that you wouldn't hurt me on purpose. I choose to believe that you would not do anything to ultimately eliminate me. So we love each other. We forgive each other. We're patient with each other. We're gentle with each other. This is how we as a church has to grow. And we're growing. Should a preacher be excited because the church is growing? Yes, but let me tell you something. The church growing is just the first part of it. Because you know what comes with people? Baggage. How many of you guys got baggage? Come on, let's all do it. Come on, all of us. Come on, let's be honest. Every one of us got baggage. (laughs) Some of us are better at keeping the baggage closed away from people than others, but the fact is, we all got baggage. And we have to be able to lean on each other and learn how to lean on the people that are out there who are believers in Jesus Christ and who are able to function the way we're supposed to function for the purpose that we're supposed to function. Let's all just be honest. Big things are happening. Big things are happening in the church. Big things are happening in our our spiritual lives. Do you think Satan's going to step by and let that happen? You're going to get hit, and you're going to get hit hard, and you're going to get hit in places that you've never been hit before. It's a fact. It's going to happen. I'm sorry. But it's just the way that it is. The question is, will we allow ourselves to be emotionally pushed to a place where we can no longer glorify God, or will we be individuals who are instead replacing our emotion and our desires with what Jesus Christ's desires are, and are we willing to go whatever it takes to see it through? Because you know what you're going to have to do in order for that to happen? You're gonna have to let some things go. You're gonna have to let some things go. How many things do you think Jesus had to let go before he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? How many people on the planet now? Almost seven billion? How many people have been on the planet up until this point, and how many people will be on the planet until Jesus comes back? How much stuff did Jesus have to set aside? guarantee it's just a little more than you and i a little more set it aside get to enjoying life the way that jesus intended you to celebrate the resurrection because it means something and not just for your eternity if you're waiting for eternity then you've not only been told wrong but you're also not living the life that jesus asked you to Because salvation isn't accomplished on the day you die. Salvation is accomplished on the day that you believe. So heaven is here. And either you can choose to live to be a part of it, or you can choose to live outside of it. But please understand in closing, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. He's given us 66 books. I don't know what else he can give us. He's given his life. don't know what else he can give us. He's given us help in the form of the Holy Spirit. Don't know what else he can give us. Are we seriously asking for more, or do you think that he's waiting for us to use what we already have? Pretty sure he's saying, I knew what you needed. I gave it to you a long time ago. Just because you don't open the shed and pick it up, it's not not, not my problem. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Today is the day to do it. Um, I won't stand up here and pretend to be the one that can save you, but I'll take whatever time necessary to sit and talk to you about the one that can. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm hoping that you're encouraged in this. We have the ability to affect so much change in the midst of the, the, the chaotic world that we all know we're living in. It's chaos. And it's doing everything that it can to even create that chaos inside the church when the church should be just the opposite. We should be ministering in the midst of this. We should know what the game plan of Satan is and be people who are digging in. Dig in. Don't dig into my job. Don't dig into somebody else's job. Dig into whatever God called you into. You dig into it and you dig into it deep and you'll be ready to forgive where it needs to be and you'll be ready to ask forgiveness where you need to as well because not only are we always people who need to do that, but we're also people who need to receive that. Leave this place encouraged today. The death, burial, and resurrection not only brought us salvation, but it brought us eternal life. And eternal life means we desire to live the life that Jesus Christ has called us to so that we can be a part of the plan and the purpose that He is looking to complete. Whatever the Lord may move you in, I can ask no more than for you just to be obedient. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week, and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Barron. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.